Hello everybody, welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who Doctor Who Watch Along podcast. This week is another special guest interview with the amazing William Grantham. You might not recognise his name, but you will definitely recognise his work, as he is the mind, he is the child mind behind what is one of Doctor Who's most controversial, loved and hated monsters, the Absorbaloff, played by the amazing Peter Kay. Me and Harry were looking enough to sit down with William over Zoom and have a nice half-hour chat with him about the character, his thoughts on the character now, the show, what it was like visiting the set, and there are some really, honestly, really good um, reveals in this about the character, about the show, about how the production works, some really good, interesting things that I think a lot of people will find interesting, so stick around right to the end, and um, I'm sure you'll find some interesting. I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. From the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Casterberus. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a doctor, but I am. I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Okay, so the first question we've got today, Will, is do you think Love and Monsters was the ideal episode for the debut of the Absorbaloff? Oh, geez, now you're beginning with a hot question there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, even at the age I was, I didn't go into Love and Monsters with any kind of expectation as to what it would be. For all I knew back then, it could just be a cameo, which was just a few seconds long. Of course, as a kid, you have these dreams about this Godzilla-esque monster tearing through tearing through cities and stuff, and that's the absorbable off. But, like, I obviously by no stretch was I disappointed with uh, Love and Monsters as the debut episode for the absorbable off. Like, um, obviously, when you're a kid, your imagination runs wild, and uh, the reality is often very much different to that. So the episode was nothing like how I could have imagined it, but it wasn't something that I had any issue with, I guess. So if uh, the question is the ideal episode, I wouldn't necessarily say so. Like, I think the perfect episode for a, a villain like an Absorbaloff would be uh, something with a lot of body horror that really focuses on that sort of aspect, as opposed to the more personal story that they have. But it was obviously just a case of, you know, the episode was already more or less written and they just needed a monster to fill that role. And that's not something I have any issue with. Because we recently just rewatched it, and despite the episode sort of being this, fans either love it or they either don't particularly look fondly upon it, we really liked it. We think it's a great break in the actual in the actual run of that series. It's a great break, and it's just a fun episode. Yeah, personally, I myself really like it, but I mean, obviously, there's the sentimental reasons and stuff. Um, Obviously, I can empathize with people that don't like it as well. I can see why um, it didn't deliver what people wanted or what people would expect. I mean, like, I think um, when you're a Doctor Who fan, especially when it was like series two and we were all kids and it was like Doctor Who is the most anticipated uh, thing in the week. It's like when it comes by and the Doctor's not in it very much and it's got quite a goofy tone to it as opposed to the more epic tone. I guess you would be disappointed. It's like, ah, oh, dang it, i got to wait a whole extra week for the Doctor Who I wanted. Um, but, I mean, even looking past that, there's obviously um, 
it's you know it goes in quite a goofy kind of direction in parts and stuff and i can understand why not everyone is willing to overlook that but personally i love the episode it's got it's got a good deal of satire to it which i really appreciate and also there is just the there's the whole sentimental thing as well obviously yeah brilliant thank you very much so no our worries. next question our next question is about obviously a lot of people when they create something, um, be a character or story, they naturally feel a very strong attachment to it and perhaps protection and pride over it. And I imagine as a child, those feelings would be even stronger. So did you as a child feel any particularly strong sense of protection or pride over the Absorbloff? And do you still have any of those feelings today? As a kid, absolutely. Like, um, I... I wasn't as big into the internet at that age as I was now. So I didn't find out until a little late down the line that people absolutely hated this villain, hated this monster. I knew there were a few people at school telling me that it was a rubbish episode and that it was a rubbish monster and stuff, but they're kids and stuff, you know, like, this is what you expect. But, like, um, when I found out how much people really didn't like it, it did hit me because I think I would have been about 12 at the time that I really found out just how disliked the episode was. And as a 12-year-old, I don't think you really do know how to necessarily deal with that. Um, and I was naturally quite defensive over it and uh, pretty protective over the whole episode and not even just the absorbable off. Because, I mean, like, when I got to go visit on set and uh, meet all the different people involved, uh, it was, it, you know, it, it's their work as well. It's, you know, it's a big collaborative effort. These people are really nice people. And, you know, I, I don't like seeing... Uh, people necessarily get their hard work dragged through the mud at any point. But obviously I understand that is what comes with the internet now and what comes with how people receive media. I mean, at the end of the day, if people don't like something, they, they do have every right to air that, absolutely. But it did hit me when I was 12. Um, growing a bit older though, I've kind of, kind of embraced the fact that while people hate the episode, they still talk about it even today. Several doctors later, several showrunners later, people still talk about Love and Monsters as kind of either a low point or a misunderstood gem. And personally, I embrace the uh, the uh, infamy. Uh, like it's it's better to have my uh, my little sketch be a part of um, a part of what's considered a milestone in how bad Doctor Who can get than it just be forgettable. You know, mm. I would much rather have you know him have a bad reputation than no reputation at all mm -hmm. and even then i think even those that really do dislike it they still got a sense of like it was it was just a harmless filler episode it's, it's i mean it's not like it destroyed everyone's childhood or anything you know <laughs> for the record i want to say that myself and as tim stated and pretty much all of my doctor Who watching friends really love the episode um mm -hmm. i honestly don't completely get where the dislike for it comes from even if people think the Absorb Off is goofy, I remember as a kid, I found him really quite <laughs> terrifying. You know, <laughs> the way that he sucks people in and like faces this gross thing attached to him, that's horrifying. I mean, I think we're in quite a revisionist era when it comes to how we look at media from the past couple of decades anyway. I mean, it's like people are looking back at the Star Wars prequels, which at the time were considered awful. And now people are looking back and seeing their greater qualities. And I think the same is very much happening with Love and Monsters as well, where people viewed it and were disappointed by it at the time, are giving it another go 
and are able to kind of appreciate that. I mean, a lot of things that get pointed out, like the drama between Jackie and Elton Pope is something that's very commonly praised soapy as it kind of is. Mm. It, it is pretty well written and stuff. And I think people are coming to terms with that now. Obviously, you know, it, it's also a taste thing. Some people do not watch Doctor Who for that and some people do. But um, I, I don't 100% grasp why it's necessarily considered as an outright offense to the the Doctor Who fan community, I guess. I mean, it's I wouldn't exactly call it controversial, put it that way. Like we've had some, you know, big continuity altering events in the recent years. <laughs> and they're obviously very contentious among certain sectors of the fandom and stuff. I can understand why one might make a case for those being the worst. I mean, I don't think so. I, I quite like some of what we've seen recently, but like, you know, I, I don't really see why an episode like Love and Monsters, which is clearly just a filler episode that was made on a double banking schedule, should be the most offensive thing ever to happen in the history of Doctor Who. No, I totally agree with you. And you touched on it there, you, the, um, the the relationship between Jackie and Elton. This episode has a great cast with uh, Mark Warren as Elton and also the amazing Peter Kay as the Absorber Love. Can you remember at what point Obviously, you were much younger. Can you remember at what point you found out Peter was going to be playing the character? And looking back at the career that Peter's had since then, that must be super cool to be able to say Peter Kay played my character. Absolutely. I mean, like, um, as, a, as a kid, I didn't really know who Peter Kay was. A nine-year-old doesn't know much about Peter Kay. All I knew was my parents had a bunch of Peter Kay DVDs and stuff. But I hadn't really seen it myself because obviously... I was nine at the time, eight when I was designing the villain anyway. And uh, Peter Kay is, you know, there's a lot of cursing involved and everything. Um, not that I was, you know, avoiding that or anything at that age, but like, it's not something you necessarily get at that age. But as, you know, as more information came out, as um, time went on, rather, after finding out that Peter Kay would be playing the role, I obviously wanted to get to know kind of, you know, what kind of actor was playing this. Not out of kind of a, ooh, will I approve kind of thing, but out of kind of a curiosity <laughs> aspect, you know? So my, my parents put on those Peter K DVDs for me and I, I found him absolutely hilarious. I was like, I am thrilled to bits that this guy is playing the, the Absorbluff. Honestly, I saw it as like a privilege. Um, and meeting Peter K, he is exactly like how he is in uh, when you see him on TV he's and stuff. He's green and slimy. He, yeah, he's green and slimy, absolutely. Uh, very hairy back as well. Um, but <laughs> but um, like uh, he he is as you know over the top and boisterous in uh, person. I mean, whether or not he was playing that up for me as a kid, I, I don't really know. But like. You know, he was a very nice, very proactive person. Like, he wasn't... It didn't feel like he was doing this out of obligation, put it that way. Like, he was, you know, very energetic. I mean, so was everybody involved, to to be completely fair. Like, um, David Tennant and Billy Piper, obviously. Um, and someone that I don't think gets enough attention these days, uh, Connie Huck, uh, who was uh, presenting the Blue Peter episode with me involved. Uh, she was incredibly accommodating and uh, incredibly energetic as well. So... Um, yeah, but yeah, Peter Kay, uh, back to the subject of that. Yeah, no, um, obviously Car Share's come out recently as well. Um, and I loved that as well. So I, I do keep up to a, to a certain extent with what uh, Peter Kay is keeping up to. Yeah. We, um, sorry, Harry, I'll just quickly say, um, in, a, in the confidential for that episode, Russell was saying, Russell T. Davis was saying that 
Peter approached Russell to be in Doctor Who, and then once I think the story is that once Peter found out about this character of the Absorbaloff, he was keen to play your character. Yeah, so basically he was originally offered the role of Elton Pope, I believe. Um, and I can't imagine how that would have played out. Like, I think I feel like uh, Mark Warren is definitely the best fit for Elton Pope. But um, yeah, no, and Peter Kay was allegedly like, no, I want to play an alien. I want to I want to play like uh, one of the big crazy Doctor Who aliens that you get and stuff. And uh, yeah, he was given the absorbable off of all characters. I believe, though, if I'm not mistaken, one unfortunate thing is that I think Peter Kay does look back on this as one of his biggest regrets um, in his career. Um, not out of anything personal, obviously, but I think he thought like he was going to get to do something a bit more than, you know, suit up and run around and stuff, which is completely fair enough. Maybe he wanted something bigger out of Doctor Who. Um, but like, as it is, like, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier with the way it actually turned out, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this next question, which we got is a bit more of kind of a technical one. Um, sure. when it comes to, uh, Doctor Who and his monsters, usually what the case is is that the monsters created for the show and then the monster belongs kind of to Doctor Who to BBC. Um, there's some cases such as the Daleks where they obviously are using the show but they belong to Terry Nation's estate. I was just wondering with the Absorbaloff, do Doctor Who own the rights to that monster or do you still retain the rights to him? The BBC owned the Absorbaloff um, entirely. Like, uh, shortly after I won the competition, they, you know, gave out, like, a document to basically say that, you know, I send the rights over and everything. And um, I had to sign it. One of my parents had to sign it. And basically, like, the agreement was, like, in the in the minimal, minimal, minimal chance that Absorbaloff were to become as big as the Daleks. Obviously, there was no chance of that. But, like, you know, in, in the teensiest little possibility... Um, that I wouldn't be asking for royalties and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't, like, receive any profit from Absorbloff, nor do I own the rights to it. That's completely the BBC's. Oh, you're still there, William. I feel like the um, sound... Oh, I'm... Oh, sorry, yeah, I think that might oh, be... Oh, did I cut out there? Um, I don't know. Did it cut oh, out? Oh, no worries, I can... Oh, uh, yeah, it did. Okay, uh, okay, I can repeat that. No worries. Mind. Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, the BBC completely owned the rights to the Absorbaloff. Um, shortly after the Blue Peter competition, I had to sign a document to basically wave the rights over to them. Um, the explanation at the time was in the in a teeny little chance that, like, say the Absorbaloff were to be a huge hit and, you know, they need to bring him back and stuff that I wouldn't require any kind of a consent or royalties or anything like that. That was, you know, it's completely theirs to do with as as necessary, basically. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I sort of agree with it, because I suppose you're a kid and it's the competition, isn't it? But at the same time, I'd be sort of be like, oh, I sort of created this. I mean, I, I guess, I, I think it's kind of fair's fair, I guess, because I, I would imagine you'd probably get instances where maybe you wouldn't sign that document. Maybe, maybe you like it's a smaller company or something than the BBC that don't have that kind of know-how or whatever. And maybe some kid wins a competition and then suddenly you've got them on the phone all the time asking for this and that and royalties and coming up with conditions and clauses and qualifying statements. You never know what kind of person you're going to run into when hosting a public event like a Doctor Who Design a Monster competition. Um, so, like, I mean, obviously I'm not that kind of person, but like, um, I, I fully understand why they needed to do it because it could be... It could create problems down the line, I guess, if they didn't. Yeah. You Personally, have... something which I... Oh. So go for it, Harry, go think... for it. 
just ruminate on that, something which I think maybe they, they could have done. I mean, obviously, that's not what's happened. But perhaps if they'd done something along the lines of, obviously, they retained the rights, but maybe after so many years, maybe when you turned 18, the rights went back to you. That would have been cool. And then, you know, you could have either, you know, kept letting them use your absorb off, or you could have gone off and done what Terry Nation originally intended to do and make a absorb off spin-off series. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, um, I mean, may- maybe there was a clause in it. I have not seen that document in well over 10 years, and I, I don't think I even properly read it myself. It's just BBC hands you a paper, you sign it when you're nine years old, basically. But um I mean, as it, as it is, I, I wouldn't really need to do anything with the Absorbaloff now anyway. He's, he's had his appearance in Love and Monsters as far as I'm concerned, so onwards and upwards to new stuff. Um, you touched on it a little bit earlier when you visited the set. What was that like at the age of nine? Because like, that was my childhood dream. It, it is crazy how much I learned for Definite, and like, obviously it was a fantastic experience. I think that goes without saying. But like... Um, one of the the main takeaways was kind of being with the crew of Blue Peter as well. Um, we had the director of that Blue Peter episode that would accompany the Doctor Who episode, Ed Wilson, was uh, escorting us around, um, taking us to like the hotel and stuff in Cardiff. And uh, I remember like the drive from London to Cardiff was incredibly long. And I just remember sitting front seat with the director and just talking about, you know, what it's like making a show for the BBC and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, what, what would go ahead with the experience. And to be honest, I was incredibly inspired by those conversations had with him. And then when we got to the set of the show, um, well, first it was a matter of meeting Peter Kay in his makeup trailer. And I hadn't seen what the Absorbaloff was going to look like at that point. I'd seen concepts from a previous trip to Millennium FX Studios. But... Um, I had only seen, um, yeah, concepts, and I was really eager to see what the finished product would look like. And I remember waiting for hours and um, and hours on end uh, in this little bus where they had other crew members from Doctor Who. And the producer, Phil Collinson, comes out and is like, well, I've got a picture of the absorbal off on my phone if you want to see it. And everyone goes, no. And like, I, I was just <laughs> so eager to see it. But um my big takeaway with Phil Collins is that that is the smiliest man in the world. I've never seen a person more smiley than him. Um, fantastic guy, obviously. And um, then, obviously, there was moving over into the little back street in Cardiff where they shot the scene. You, you couldn't really see much. There was a lot of people stood around, a lot of crew members and stuff. But I did get to get a glimpse at what was going on. Um, Peter Kay, David Tennant, and Billy Piper would take time out of shooting to come over and have a little chat with me and everything. And they, they were really wonderful. I mean, I, there, there's not much more that really needs to be said about David Tennant and Billy Piper. Like, everybody knows they're great people. Um, <laughs> but, like, um, as a kid, I didn't feel like I was being talked down to by any of them either. And, like, I, I remember I could see the TARDIS and, like, you know, David Tennant showed me, you know, the inside of the TARDIS. And, like, obviously, it's not bigger on the inside. And I knew that. But it was quite funny to have, like, Peter Kay telling the cameras to back away because you're not supposed to see what's in there. Yeah, and I saw that clip. Like, it's funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it was absolutely hilarious. Um, but, yeah, no, they were, they were wonderful and, and charismatic. And um, it, was, it was pouring it down with rain. I don't think you can see it in the episode, but it was absolutely hammering down with rain. And it was one of those things where I did not expect to be as exhausted as I was afterwards as well. Like, it, it was tiring for me back then. But, like, I, I had a fantastic time. 
and it's like it's one of those things that has kind of influenced kind of what I've been wanting to do uh, going forward into kind of adult life and career and stuff. I've kind of wanted to get into entertainment because of that experience, both with Doctor Who and Blue Peter. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible experience. I mean, I imagine if I had had an experience like that at your age, I imagine that would have just impacted me incredibly deeply, as it evidently did for you. Um, oh yeah, it does definitely make some kind of um, intrinsic changes to kind of how you view your future when you have an experience like that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Our next question um, is about how, obviously, any monster that appears on Doctor Who is naturally going to appear on stuff like merchandise, posters, lunchboxes, whatever. I'm not sure how much about the Absorbaloff got, and I was wondering, <laughs> yeah. um, for you, um, if you did kind of growing up see any kind of absorbed merchandise and if that was weird to see so people often ask me uh, are you disappointed in love and monsters and i say no and people often ask me are you disappointed that absorbed wasn't the size of a double-decker bus and i say no the one thing that disappointed me was that there was no damned absorbed action figure like that was that was one thing i really wanted as a kid and there was never an absorbed action figure um the closest thing we got came out Honestly, like, I think under five years ago, a company called Warlord Games that do a lot of like these little metal little figures that you use for board games and stuff mm-hmm. like that made an Absorbaloff figure and it's tiny, but I bought like three of them. And like, <laughs> and uh, I was absolutely thrilled to bits because like finally I've got my own little miniature Absorbaloff. I've wanted this for years. But other than that, there was no merch of the Absorbaloff whatsoever, apart from a few little sort of... Um, they had the Doctor Who Adventures magazine, which was for kids back then, and they had like a little free gift where you get some little rubber fingers and some rubber jelly eyes, and that was oh, their yeah. absorbable thing. That's crazy, though. So that was like very exciting figure. for me as a kid. That's crazy. Though, yeah, no, like they figure. literally, like they had another monster in that episode, which was the Hoiks, and he got an action yeah. figure, and he was on screen for like ten seconds. I was like, "What is that all about?" I, I remember <laughs> seeing like I remember seeing teleads for like Doctor Who action figures and characters like um, the, the, the like Cassandra got an action figure. And I know she had like two appearances, but Cassandra's like a piece of skin on a stand. You can't well, exactly the... do much with that. <laughs> The absolute best part was when they did destroyed Cassandra, which was just the frame. No no skin face in it, just the frame. <laughs> that they guess, can make a, yeah. That gets <laughs> actually again, absorb off doesn't. Yeah, I think it had something to do with Peter Kay's likeness rights. I'm I'm not sure, but I feel like they could have made an absorbable figure without even using the likeness of Peter Kay. I mean, you don't always expect an action figure on like a mass market scale to have a perfect resemblance to the actor. And I that was just a rumor, but I think something that might give that credence is at Doctor Who exhibitions when they rolled Absorbaloff out, his face doesn't resemble Peter Kay's. So I think it could have something to do with that. But even so, I think, I don't know, it might just be that Peter Kay didn't sign off on the rights to have his face used on merchandise. I'm, I'm not sure. I think that's a, very, um, that's a very backstage politics thing that I don't know much about. But it's one of those things where they might not have asked him to sign off on it or maybe he just didn't want to be on the merchandise in that way. I'm, I'm not sure. It's completely, you know, it's his personal decision and everything. But um, I wouldn't have minded if they made an absorbable figure with a slightly different likeness or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, it could, it could also be that at the Doctor Who exhibition, maybe that's just how they preserved it and maybe they haven't altered the likeness. I would, I would imagine that would be a lot of effort. But 
lot of backstage politics there that I don't fully understand, but I've heard rumors of using, so uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just looking here on the, I, while you were talking, I just took over to Google, and someone has made a custom absorbable off action figure. Yes, I've seen that. It's got um, it's got the little um, Ursula face slab as well, hasn't it? It does. Cape. It's amazing. Um, it's fantastic. I, I honestly, when I first saw that, because I was back in the day, I was always googling, "Is there going to be a Ursula action figure?" And I saw that, I was like, "Boom! There it is!" I was like, oh, it was a custom. I can't get that. And I've, I, I tried to find out who it was that made it, but I never found out. So, um, yeah, I, I have no idea who made it. But if you know, if we ever find them, I'd love to commission one. <laughs> Maybe they're now, listening. If you're listening, do get in touch and we'll try and get one over. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, now, while we um, unfortunately didn't get a ton of absorbable off merchandise or action figures, one thing which nowadays we definitely see a lot of with absorbable off is a lot of um, memes being created of him. He's always had <laughs> yes. this kind of resurgence in kind of the Doctor Who meme circles and that meme culture, um, he's very prominent as a figure there. Is it strange to see uh, your character repurposed in that way? And uh, how do you feel about it? I mean, as I've grown older, I've grown into the to the meme generation very much. So it's one of those things where when you do have this, um, this big, green, goofy monster in Doctor Who, it's inevitably going to get memed. And honestly, I'm happy about it if, you know... I know that there was one Facebook group that kind of considered the Absorbable off to be the king of their meme stash, effectively. So it's like, that's an honor I'll gladly accept. By all means, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm more than happy with the Absorbable off memes. Um, and um, I mean, it's not something I ever really thought about until it first cropped up. And I was like, well, of course, that, that makes sense. <laughs> that was my immediate kind of reaction. Of course, yeah. Now here, here's quite a momentous uh, question. Uh, you've um, already kind of uh, hinted towards what your response is to this, but I have to ask it. Should the Absorbal Off return to Doctor Who? Um, if they want, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> I don't really have any uh, strong feelings about it. Um, I'm happy with what I've got, to be honest. But um, if they do want to bring him back, they're more than welcome to. You know, <laughs> like I'd, I'd love to see more of him, but... At the same time, it's not something I've really thought about much. I do remember being a bit caught off guard when the latest series finale, The Timeless Children, came out and they've got yes. this big flashback thing going on. And for a split second, Absorbaloff's in there. I was like, they have so much of Doctor Who history to choose from there. And not everything made it. What Absorbaloff did, I was like, thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about that. You know, it was a little thing that put a little smile on my face. He's so, left an impression. He's left an impression. Yeah, it definitely seems so. And um, yeah, be it with the fans or with the with the cast and crew, it's like, um, I'm happy either way. It's just nice to see that um, the people involved with the making of the show feel a little more fondly about it than the people that watched it. <laughs> I like the idea that if he were to return, after you know what we've read online and what you've said today, um, Peter Kim might not be that interested in returning. So I like the idea they just get someone like Paddy McGuinness, just get someone who's a bit like Peter Kay to step into the role and just replace him. Instead. Yeah, just just get just get a Bolton comedian to do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like to be honest, no one can do it like Peter Kay. So it would have to be a different Absorbaloff. Like it would have mm -hmm. to be a different one from the Planet Clone. But like, th there's definitely more than one of them out there. So like, um, yeah, like you know, get get whoever they want to add their own new spin to it. Why not? I'm going to say it now. Sorry, go say now. If, 
if I'm ever, I don't know how this would happen, if I was ever in a position of power at BBC Studios, I would make sure that I would send the doctor to Clom. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, do it, do it. I mean, like, let's, let's make it a race. Who can become showrunner first? <laughs> uh, we've got a few questions here from some of our listeners. Christopher, uh, was there anything from the, originals, uh, from the original design that never made it into the show? You touched on the fact that he should have been endless feet tall, but was there anything else? Well, okay, so that, this is something that does get taken out of context a little bit, is the whole double-decker bus thing. It was never a requirement. <laughs> it was never something that I thought, well, that's an intrinsic part of the Absorber Um So, like, when the rumours went around that I was disappointed, there's, there's no, that doesn't hold water. But um, as far as the design goes, there were a lot of different aspects that were very much reinterpreted onto uh, the Absorber design. As far as things that got removed, um, he had these big red bug cat-like eyes um that wasn't in it but like obviously that was just part of the cartoony art style um i mean i think the rubber latex was making peter k's eyes red anyway which makes sense because rubber latex <laughs> um there was also these uh melty bits suggesting that he was made of kind of a translucent liquid on the original design which were emitted but reworked into these little tendrils around his sort of cheeks um so that's something that's been very much reinterpreted um, in the original design as well, he had these sort of web wing things under his armpits as well. And the idea is he could kind of stick a person to it like it's a web and then push them into his um, his abdomen, basically. Um, that didn't make it. And uh, the original design had flipper feet, but that is just because I was too lazy to draw toes. Um, <laughs> do you still have that original as, as, design? I do. I, I have it in a little scrapbook, and it's uh, signed by the folks at Millennium FX Studios that worked on it. Well, wow, that's cool. That's awesome. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, we have another fun question from Sam, which asks, I quite like this question because it really gets into the logistics of the Absorb-Off. What would happen if you absorbed someone with a really long beard or moustache, and can he absorb animals? Okay, so... Um... As you probably see in the episode, nobody has hair. And uh, I'm basically just making up continuity here, but because there's nothing to contradict it in the show, <laughs> and because I am Absorbable's creator, screw it, it's canon. So if he absorbs <laughs> anybody with a beard, the process is that it does pluck every hair from the, the creature's body while he goes in. Um, and the same would go for an animal. It's a very horrible process. Um, and you feel it. You'd feel it as you'd go in. And so if he absorbed a cat, it would just be like this creepy hairless cat face in him oh my god there's so much body horror potential if you absorb off oh yeah there definitely is and that i think if they were to bring him back that's what i'd like to see explored well that's our mission that's that's the that's the rest of this podcast's goal is to bring back the off. we will do it <laughs> anybody we'll listening <laughs> just find chris chibnall's address write to him shower him across the street do whatever you can. Oh, I'm don't don't shout at him across the street. I'm sure he gets too much of that as it is. Probably does. Just just, just <laughs> look at him and just say Absorbaloff and then wink and walk off. He'll know what he'll know what we're on about. <laughs> just you chase have the right. <laughs> just chase him shouting, What's the matter? Got nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> Team I mean, I I've just got it as my head cannon that the Pating is Absorbaloff's son. Oh yes. I like that. I mean, I he like does kind of inhale things. That's kind of his thing, is consuming. Uh, so why not, you know? He's a little lizard as well, so, like, you know, it kind of matches. 
He he's got an action figure. He's got one coming out. Yeah, just rub it in. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, William, thank you so much for joining us today. You've answered so many questions and given us such an amazing insight into what it was like to be involved in even just a small portion of Doctor Who history. It's really been great talking to you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's Thanks been a so much. pleasure. Oh, thank you. Well, there you have it. That was our chat with William Grantham, better known as Channel Pup. Um, definitely go and check out his channel. I don't know why we're advertising it. It's got more subscribers than us. You probably know who he is. He does some amazing Spider-Man videos, a lot of Doctor Who reviews. The odd Sonic thing now and again, really good. Harry is a big fan. Um, so this was very exciting for him to have William on the show. And thanks for listening, everybody. Do subscribe and let us know who you'd like us to talk to next. Podcast scans detect you are not subscribed. The Daleks order you to subscribe. Resistance is futile. Failure to subscribe will lead to extermination. Seek, locate, subscribe.